everybody, and welcome to another episode of Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And this week we watched Krampus. Krampus. A boy who has a bad Christmas ends up accidentally summoning a festive demon to his family home. Okay, so this is one we both hadn't seen, but that was on our radar. And now that we, we watched so many horror films in October, we were definitely primed for this, I believe. I remember this being, this was an under the radar mm-hmm. type hit. It reminded me a little bit of the buzz of Shaun of the Dead, mm-hmm. except Shaun of the Dead blew up way bigger. Yeah. But I do remember just vaguely hearing that they were doing this Christmassy horror movie with mm-hmm. Krampus, which I knew a little bit about okay. the mythological figure. There's a couple different lines. He's the naughty version of Santa. He punishes kids for being naughty instead of rewarding them for being good. As they say in the movie, he is the shadow of St. Nicholas. Yeah. They, there's a lot of lore. It's a huge part of Austrian and German folk- folklore. And actually, they have Krampus runs where grown-up men dress up as Krampus. And it's a parade and they chase kids in the streets. Like, it's a whole thing. That's not horrifying at all. It's grown men in, super creepy. Grown men in creepy Santa costumes chasing children. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so this is definitely not a story. I think the first time I ever heard of Krampusnacht, which is like the actual holiday of this, uh, I saw I was on The Office with Dwight reading the story of it. How do you feel about this movie? There's a lot I like about it. It suffers from that, was this ending really good or was it just a twist? Do I like this ending? I don't know. I, well, I have a little bit of trivia about that, but we'll do it at the end. Yeah. I would have liked it more if we had more information about Krampus. Okay. Because we get this animation of Omi having experienced Krampus and it's very depressed. It's beautiful, but it's very depressing and it doesn't tell us a lot. It's just like, oh, well, we're just going to suffer. This is suffering. That's what this all is. For a horror movie, it just doesn't give us enough about the villain. There's also no redemption, which is something that you want at the end. Especially if you're going to do a Christmas-style story, you want something good to come through the end. Hmm. But I don't know. Again, I'm not saying I don't like it. I, I just don't know how to feel about it. I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. Well, the movie itself, yes. Because I was like, this is going to be horrible. Let's make it everything at Christmas creepy. But I actually really liked it a lot. And I remember the only reason this was really on my radar was because Adam Scott's in it. And I was like, oh, he's kind of like a lead in a movie. And it was just before Parks and Rec was about to end. So I was like, oh, you know, he's trying to make go of it. Except this cast is fucking this loaded. This cast is insane. And we'll talk about it then. Yeah. It had a budget of $15 million. And it made $42 million. Which is a very respectable amount of money for this type of film. And it's opening run, but it is making tons more money, I guarantee, now being a holiday seasonal movie that's running through Probably. Theaters. Because it's a Christmas horror film like Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Black Christmas, this is a hard story to sell for a studio. Very hard. So when Legendary Pictures agreed to make it a PG-13, Universal was like, okay, then we'll make it. Because if you go too dark, no, it's, it's hard to make your money back. That was absolutely the correct decision. It was originally supposed to be released on November 25th, but it was pushed back to December 4th, so it would, it would uh, coincide with Krampusnacht. 
which I know I'm not saying that right. Just let it go, people. Nacht. Uh, so, Nacht. I, I didn't take German. Okay, you do it. Yeah. So it would coincide with that holiday, which is December 5th. I do love this little tidbit I found on Wikipedia that it, it mentions the reviews for Rotten Tomatoes. It has an approval rating of 66 with an average rating of 6 out of 10. And the website's critical consensus reads, Krampus is a gory good fun for fans of non-traditional holiday horror with a fondness for Joe Dante's B-movie classics, even if it doesn't quite have the savage bites the concept calls for. The whole time we're watching this, I was just like, yeah, this feels so much like Gremlins. This feels so much like Gremlins. We watched that last week. But a more well-written concept. A higher concept. A little punchier. It could have used a little more punch up. Yes. But uh, I was like, oh, absolutely. I'm really glad we watched Gremlins before we watched this, which I had no idea until I got into this trivia. Okay, we have three writers for this. The first one is Todd Casey. Before this, he worked on the animated Transformers, the animated, well, he did do Green Lantern, Thundercats. He's done a lot of animated superhero stuff. Then we have Zach Shields, who did Trick or Treat Father's Day, and then after this film did uh, a short Cragio and The Cost of Summer. And he is also working on Godzilla, King of the Monsters. He came up with the story and is doing the screenplay. And last of the writers, but definitely not least, is Michael Doherty. Before this, he did X-Men 2, Superman Returns, which... I mean, that's not great. He did the film Trick or Treat, which based on the trivia gives, there's a lot of callbacks to that film, but we've never seen it. So I'm not going to talk about any of those. And then he did the story for X-Men Apocalypse and he's, and he's also working on the Godzilla film. So how do we feel about the writing? This is a really solid script. It really is. It's pretty good. We relied too heavily on the animated sequence with Omi. And instead of make like weaving her, in, like they, they misused her. Well, and they rip out all of the momentum that we've gained up to that point. That's the other problem. Is it's so depressing and well, so horrible. I love the animation they did. What we should have gotten was towards the beginning of the film, before we really get into the dark, creepy aspect, is she's really sad and she just doesn't talk very much. And we see that narration when someone's trying to explain why she's that way around Christmas. But in that narration, in that story, we don't know that Krampus is the one that did all these horrible things. So that later, when it starts happening, it's the reveal of Omi's been through this. Well, and it's just like, she lost her family at Christmas. That's literally all you needed. Yeah, it's it's fine. And I would have liked a little bit more comedy. There's not enough to mask what goes on because... If they had more, it wouldn't have dragged at the points it did. About two-thirds of the way through this movie, you start looking at your watch going like, when is this done? They could have had more fun with some sequences, which would have made them more light. It would have taken the bite out of some of the creepy. So I understand like they wanted to make a horror film, but it's also a PG-13. So let's make it a little funnier. All right. So our director is also Michael Doherty. Uh, before this, he did a short called Season's Greetings. He worked on the show Cartoon Sushi, the film Trick or Treat, Trick or Treat Making Friends. And then he is directing Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And he's also doing a sequel to Trick or Treat. The directing is competent. The kids are good. The adults are great. But their cast is, I mean, they could have polished any turd, really. So, I mean. I have a really hard time 
envisioning how he as a director brought anything specific to this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's okay. I don't notice it being bad and I don't notice any very strong choices. So it's fine. Yeah. It services the movie. Because we don't have a strong directorial voice, Mm -hmm. we've got a lot of pockets where this movie drags instead of rethinking how to make it work better. But the real star, obviously, is this cast. This cast is great. Okay, we're going to start with MJ Anthony, who plays Max. Before this, he was little Pedro in It's Complicated, the movie with Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin. He's the little boy. So like, oh, he grew up so cute. He's in the movie. He was in the movie Chef and Insurgent. And then after this, he's in Bad Moms and Bad Moms Christmas. And then he was just in Replicas. Okay. I don't yeah. remember him in Bad Moms, but... I, be- I can't... I mean, I don't remember his name. I believe he was Mila Kunis' son. He's great. He really is. He's believable as being just... It's He still believes in Santa, but he also knows that that's kind of ridiculous. But it's more that he believes in the spirit of Christmas, yep. which is precious. But that's also, it makes it all the more painful when he, everything goes against him. When his him cousins just him. shit on him. And then, oh, no. And when they actually read his letter of what he wanted for Christmas. Oh, boy. You're like, oh, fuck. Like, that kid's got everyone's number. At which even the cousins are just like, dude. Though and that is a moment where they re- they cut the the over sentimentality with, we dad does not think we're boys. I know they did a really good job with that too. So that was perfect. Next we have Adam Scott who's playing Tom. Before this, you know him from Party Down, Step Brothers, Hot Tub Time Machine, Parks and Recreation. Mm-hmm. And then after this, he did Wet Hot American Summer. Ten years later, Ghosted. He's on The Good Place. He's in Big Little Lies, and he is going to be in the new Twilight Zone series. Oh, they're gonna have so many good people on that. He's so good. Like, I was surprised with how much I liked him in Big Little Lies because he's not playing a comedic role. He's playing a really creepy dude. But, like, you still like him. And I was, I I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was like, this is so the opposite of Ben Wyatt, and I adore it. One of the biggest differences between Adam Scott and a lot of the, like, UCB crowd Mm -hmm. is that while I'm reasonably certain he's done shows and, and been involved in the improv community... He started as an actor. Well, His early movies, like Torque and stuff like that, he was an actor-actor. He is a straight man who has the ability to transform into the goofball, which is what like Huey is on The Good Place. He is a goofball in that role. It is so precious. I'm not going to ruin it for you if you haven't seen The Good Place, but he's great when he shows up. I like him being the, like, the tough dad. Like it's it's great, especially when he's up against David Koechner. He's the tough dad, but you wouldn't know it from just seeing him. Yeah. Like you think he's the wimp dad, and then you get him out in the middle of the blizzard, and you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> Next, we have Stefania Lavi-Owen, who plays Beth. Before this, she was in The Lovely Bones and The Carrie Diaries, and afterwards, she was on a show called Chance, I'm Dying Up Here, and Messiah. She's not in the movie very long, but she's good. I, I'm, she's okay. Yeah, it's a shame because I wanted more of her character, honestly. They get rid of her very quickly in the movie, mm-hmm. and I'm like, she's way more interesting than you ripping her They out should have now. had her figure out how to claw her way back to the house. So she popped up. Something like that. Yeah, something to that effect. 
Next, we have Krista Stadler, who plays Omi. She is actually from Austria, and she got cast last minute when the previous actress, who we don't know, they bowed out of playing the role. Omi actually means is from Oma, which means granny. Grossmutter. Uh, she's also the only one who refers to Krampus by name. And Krista Stadler is a very established actress, but all of her work is in German, and I can't read any of that. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I went through all of her IMDb to see if there was anything in English that was something that we might recognize, and there's not. She was Stiefmutter in Cinderella. Great. She was the... the- I, I get that. Evil I, stepmom. Yeah. I got I got the context there. And Mike Verflieg and Lena Reis. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Das ist gut. All right, Snooty boy. <laughs> uh, she's she's great. She plays creepy grandma pretty well. I would have liked a few more layers from her, but that wasn't in the script, so. Though when she starts speaking English, you're not ready for it, which is it wasn't as good a reveal as it should have been, but it is kind of fun. Next we have Conchetta Farrell playing Aunt Dorothy. You know this woman. She's a wonderful character actress. She was in Mystic Pizza, Edward Scissorhands, L.A. Law, Hearts of Fire, Townies, Teen Angel, Mr. Deeds. She's probably most famous for being the housekeeper on Two and a Half Men. And now she's also regular on The Ranch on Netflix. She will be in a movie called A Very Nutty Christmas and Deported. She's great. She's she's a lot of really good comic relief. She's just the she's the pain in the ass family member that nobody wants to deal with. But does get a bit of redemption near the end. She does. She does. See you in hell. <laughs> That's great. Love it. Allison Tolman as Linda. We love Allison Tolman. We get really excited when we see her. Before this, she was on a couple episodes of Prison Break. She was on Barney and Friends, which is also filmed in Dallas. Thank you, or was filmed in Dallas. She was in Sorted Lives, the series, and just a ton of just one-off television episodes. This came out just before Fargo came out, and that's what gave her her giant push. Yeah. She's since been on episodes of Good Girls, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Drunk History. She was in The Sisters Brothers. She was on Castle Rock, and she'll be in something called I'm Sorry. What I really appreciate about her and the other mom who we'll get to Mm -hmm. is the true grounded reactions they have to losing their kids. You could so go into histrionics because it's a horror movie, yeah. but they don't. And it makes it so much more real because of it. Next, we have David Koechner. It's Howard. You know this dude. He was on SNL from 95 to 96. He's been on everything on television. The Dukes of Hazard, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Thank You for Smoking, Waiting, Talladega Night, Snakes on a Plane, Extract, The Office, he played Todd Packer, Anchorman 2, More TV, he was in the most recent Twin Peaks, he's on Drunk History, Another Period, American Dad, Captain Underpants, and he's on The Goldbergs. He's everywhere, and every time you see him, he's fabulous. He gets to really dive into a character. He is not just there for comic relief. Like no. he's he's the asshole, self-absorbed, you know, country dude who loves his guns, but he also just wants to take care of his family. He's not a stereotype and, well, at all. Exactly. He's very insecure by the success of his in-laws. Yeah. Like, I get it. Like that it's it's hard to be struggling when you're around people who are supposedly doing super well, especially like in all the materialistic ways. That's hard. And you get defensive and you just become an asshole sometimes. Like, it's just the way it is. Yeah. But he's great. I adore him. I just, I appreciate the thoughtfulness in that character work to buck against that stereotype. Yeah. Because it's so easy to do and he didn't. Tony Collette as Sarah. 
She's so good, and that the faces that she can give you in horror is insane. If you want the best example, like my favorite piece of Tony Collette's work is the United States of Tara. She plays all these different characters. It's amazing, amazing. If you want to know the other famous things that Tony Collette has done, her first breakout was Muriel's Wedding, Clock Watchers, Little Miss Sunshine. And then after this film, she did Hereditary. She's on the TV show Wanderlust on Netflix. And she's going to be in a movie. I think it's a movie. Unbelievable. And so, so many other things. Yeah, eight, those are just the, the big ones because she's just so good. She seems like one of those under the radar great actresses. Mm-hmm. Like she should be in every well, she, prestige okay, thing. Adam Scott got first billing on this film. Yeah. How does he get first billing above Tony Collette? She has an Oscar nomination. Like, that's some sexist bullshit right there. It's some sexist bullshit. And with the billing stuff, there's one thing where I say that. And there's another thing where I go, Adam Scott has a better agent. Like, there is an element of, did the agent really fight for this? Whatever. So we have the rest of the kids who are all great. Maverick Flack played Howie Jr. This is his only credit. (laughs) Queenie Samuel as Jordan. They were on a television show called Nothing Trivial. Lolo Owen, who is Stefania, the girl who played Beth's younger sister. Lolo Owen played Stevie. They were in a movie called The Cure in 2014. And then we have Sage Heunfeld as Baby Chrissy. It's their only credit. And Luke Hawker played Krampus. Luke Hawker is an actor, but he does a ton of work with the Weta Workshop, which does all the creatures and did all of the people for uh, the Lord of the Rings films. And so, like, he's based out of New Zealand. And then we do have one Arpon. Uh-huh. There are voices to all the little creepy gingerbread men and some of the elves, but the one main gingerbread dude, Lumpy, was voiced by Seth Green, who mm-hmm. we love. Yeah, so this this cast really was amazing, and they all did a wonderful job. And I think they truly elevate this from being kind of a middle-of-the-road mm-hmm. mediocre movie mm-hmm. to being a lot more entertaining than what it was. My only thing was with the with the girls, but I don't, they're not really twins, but Stevie and Jordan, I they needed a kid like Corey Feldman, who just shined at being an asshole kid. Their problem was not the two actresses. Mm -hmm. Their problem was the writing. No, I agree, but neither of those girls had that kind of sparkle or swag. I didn't want that because where they were going was over the course of the movie, they wanted to break down this sort of wall that their dad had built around them Mm -hmm. and have them be normal kids again, which I'm fine with, but we did not get any time to spend with them to see that break down over the course of the movie. That may be the biggest problem with the ending is we don't have enough context from point A to point B where we see all these characters start to realize how awful they've been. Yeah. And how they need to transform through the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. And so when we get to this final cathartic moment and everybody's lost and Max is going up to say, I want my family back. We don't care enough yet. We weren't quite there with any of them. And that's that's a writing problem more than anything. Fair. All right, let's get into some trivia. Trivia. The opening sequence was shot on location in a single day at a department store in New Zealand. The snow on the ground is made from material that is usually used inside diapers. 
<laughs> Which is kind of gross, but well, makes total but I've sense. seen that stuff, and yeah, yeah you could make sense. that work. Max's mom alludes to the noodle incident that estranged the family from a neighboring one. The noodle incident is often referred to, but never explained in Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> Love it. Ninety-five percent of this movie was shot on the soundstage. I'm guessing that ninety-five percent is <laughs> that missing five percent is what they shot on location in New Zealand. Yeah, pretty much. In Max's letter to Santa Claus, his full name is Max Engel. The name Engel is a German word for angel. Omi was deaf in the first draft of the script, and it was not screened in advance for critics. I can understand that. I'm sure they were trepidatious that if they got early bad reviews they would lose even more money on this. Mm. So they wanted to hold that and make sure that they got at least some box office return before it left mm. theaters. Krampus's true face is hidden underneath a Santa Claus-like mask and is never fully revealed to the audience. And this was a choice made by the filmmakers to allow the viewers to create their own vision of what was under the mask. Blech. Like, you don't realize that it's a mask very well. Like, it's not presented that way. All I thought was, they they say the line, he's the shadow of St. Nicholas. So, I didn't think it was a mask. I thought, this is his shadow manifesting in some form. Mm -hmm. And it's empty because he's not actually St. Nicholas. Hmm. He's just this demonic shadow of him. So, I, you know, it's, it's such a cop-out to say that, like... I would super respect you more if you were like, yeah, we didn't have any idea how to do it, so we just made this mask instead. <laughs> the film's ambiguous ending has spawned two fan theories. Number one, that the Ingalls and their family are trapped in the snow globe, condemned to repeat Christmas morning for eternity in a twisted version of hell. Or number two, that they were given a second chance, and the snow globe is Krampus's means of watching over them. Michael Doherty has refused to confirm which theory is true. The tie-in comic book, Shadow of St. Nicholas, confirms that the happy ending is the real one. The comic has the murdered characters resurrected without any hint of a twist, showing that Krampus is willing to give people a second chance. Number one, I hate that that sort of cop-out feeling. Because to me, like I said, I think it just it's just bad writing. Well, this is where if we had had more knowledge about Krampus and that like okay he's gonna come like if you're once you get really bad he's gonna come punish you and you have the opportunity to change and we find out in that way that he's watching you just like regular Santa Krampus is watching you to make sure that you're like you're changing you're getting better we could have seen things where like the snow globes are actually real people and like he's out watching all these snow like it, there was a way to do it that would have tied it in so that, that the ending is a little less ambiguous while still cool all right so how are we gonna rate this how many demonic gingerbread men <laughs> i knew you were gonna do that you have to go first i'm gonna give it three and a half Three and a half. It's already a middle-of-the-road movie, right? Mm. And then that cast is so good They're that great. they elevate it to another level up. It's not really, like, better past that because the ending just leaves you going, wait, y'all did kind of all this for nothing. That's dumb. But what we get to watch up until then is so enjoyable mm -hmm. and rewatchable, frankly. <laughs> That I don't really feel like I could give it any less than that. I think it's a really solid, good movie with really great performances. Wow. I'm surprised because my gut reaction is to give it a two. 
Whoa. I know. You don't like it. I, I'm never going to watch this movie again. <laughs> Ever. And I feel like one and a half stars is just because this cast is amazing. They really are amazing. And I like the idea of the film, but I'm just like, I'm never going to watch this ever again. Oh, we got different We got different feelings about it. Yeah. I don't know that I would make it an annual tradition style movie, but I, I might watch this one again. I enjoyed it. All right, dude. I'm not interested. More importantly, the next movie is one that I haven't seen and I, the whole I, way through. I, now, I've only seen what they've aired on television, so I know that's missing some things. But David has never seen Christmas Vacation. Like, I've seen all the other vacation movies. This is, this, is the more, this is the most popular one. I've seen European Vacation. I have, I've, se- I've seen European Vacation on TV. Mostly because there's boobs. Yeah, and I, exactly, but they cut the boobs out on TV. Not in the version I've seen. That's <laughs> why so I said on TV. <laughs> David, like, I don't even like this movie. And I'm like, are you okay? But I know there are some redeeming qualities about it. You might enjoy it now. I might. You never know. I might now that I've become like a Christmas curmudgeon when it comes to decorating. Like, I want it done, but I don't really want to do it. Let's get ready to Griswold it up. All right. Until next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.